to Amateur Film School. This is Sarah. And Brandon. This week we watched Let the Right One In, released in 2008. And directed by Tomas Alfredson. Yes, it's based on the 2004 novel by... I'm going to be really bad at all these Swedish names. John Lindqvist. Lindqvist? Lindqvist. Do you pronounce the Q? Yeah, I think so. Lindqvist? Qvist? Yeah. So what was this movie about? Um, it was about a vampire. Uh, it doesn't start out that way. Um, I had never heard of the story or the movie before, so when I, when we first went in to watch it, I was like, what kind of movie is this going to be? Um, even given the cover art, which is the vampire girl, I couldn't really even tell that's what it was going to be about. But um, it starts off with this boy who gets bullied in school. Typical stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and then he makes a friend who turns out to be a vampire, and she kind of helps him gain confidence and... Murder people. And murder people. Yes. You know, yeah. This is exactly what you want a friend to do. Mm-hmm. I thought for being as young as they are, um, their characters are only supposed to be 12. Yeah. And, well, she's like Technically, 200, she's, but she's yeah. still trapped in the body of a small child. Yeah. Not small, small, but... Small, young, small. I thought they were really good actors. Yeah, and for... I felt they were pretty mature for their age. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it is something where they're dealing with a lot of, like, mature things for mm-hmm. their age. Yeah. Um, the... So, the main characters are Oscar and Ailey. Ailey. Spelled like Ellie. Spelled like Eli. Eli, yeah. But I guess in, if it's a girl's name, you pronounce it differently and... Well, it's also Swedish. Yeah, cut that out. <laughs> um, Oscar was played by, I'm going to say this really wrong, Kare Hedebrandt. And Ellie? Ellie was played by Lena Lee Anderson. That's a little bit easier. Yeah. Her name kind of rolls off the tongue better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, this movie deals, like, with really, really heavy stuff. I mean, it's really subtle. Um, like, if you... I read the synopsis for the book, and it deals with alcoholism, divorce, mm-hmm. like, these really heavy things, and then you put children. Yeah, like, 12-year-olds into it. Yeah, and it's, like, it's these things where they... It's kind of like when we discussed Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of thrown into this world that they don't really understand. Right. And it's just them dealing with it. And so I think it was really interesting to see a movie about vampires through the eyes of kids. Yeah. But then it also deals with a lot of human aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely stuff about divorce. Like, his uh, Oscar's parents were divorced, I assume. Yeah. Um, he spent time with his dad. And then his dad may or may not have had a boyfriend. Yeah, which like, there's a weird thing where, like, the other guy walks in. Yeah. And then they start drinking vodka and Oscar right. freaks out and leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm saying, like, a lot of this stuff is, like, very subtle. Yeah. You know, because it very, it emphasizes, um, when you're talking about with his dad. Yeah. It emphasizes, it emphasizes the alcohol. Mm -hmm. But it's not like, like, the actor wasn't playing it up to where he's, like, falling over everywhere drunk. It's just, like, he just takes some drinks and you can tell that Oscar is, like, uncomfortable with it. He's so uncomfortable that he, like, hitchhikes home. Yeah. Which is very dangerous when people are being murdered. And right. no one really knows why. Yeah. Did he know why at that point? Because I don't know. Did he know? Because you don't think he found out she was a vampire until yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. So. Because I, th- I think that's why his mom got mad at him. When he came home, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, subtle performances. You know, I th- 
I don't know how many lines his mom said, like, two. Yeah, she had very few lines, but you could... Her character was... It was really powerful, I guess, to me. Um, yeah. As the mother figure, uh, given the situation, because there's, like, murders everywhere, and her kid just goes outside, and she's like, stay in the courtyard. I'm like, I don't know exactly what else he would do, but... <laughs> I mean, kids that age, you just run around everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, because you lived no. in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. I played in the sand dunes. <laughs> I hate sand. I had a pet camel. <laughs> did you? And I really did not okay. know. <laughs> I got really excited. <gasps> you never told me. Um, but yeah, because there's it's not a dialogue heavy movie. A lot of it, um, and this is kind of bleeding into the directing, but it's a very visual movie. Yeah, and it's not like I feel like movies like this where there is kind of like a monster person or whatever Mm -hmm. they have a tendency to over explain everything yeah but it's kind of like the movie treats the audience like they're intelligent Mm -hmm. which i wish a lot more movies would do Mm -hmm, yeah because it's like you okay she's a vampire yeah you already know what that entails like the whole i mean even the title goes back to like let the right one in in. um which is like a reference to vampires having to ask to be let in right and so, it's not like the movie had to sit there and be like, these are the rule of vampires. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of movies run into that, like, with Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to, like... <laughs> Exhibit A. I, don't, I hate when people bash Twilight, because I think that there is a tendency to bash things that girls like, particularly mm-hmm. teenage girls. Right. Um, but there is something to be said about the subtlety in this versus Twilight. Which sort of over-explains, would you say? Yeah, but, and then it also makes it, like, really dramatic. Yeah. But this movie made it dramatic in a different way, um, because that's the, it kind of goes back to the maturity of the kid actors, I want to say, mm-hmm. is that the, a lot of the drama comes from these really tight shots on their face. Yeah. But they aren't, like, over-delivering, does that make sense? Yeah, like, they're not sense. being, like, super dramatic about it. Right. Um, we talked about it while we were watching the movie, we kind of noticed that, um, they only really had two types of shots in the movie, as far as, ang- or, you know, the wideness or tightness of the shot. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of close-ups, and then there were a lot of wide shots, and there wasn't much in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that, there's also the contrast of lighting and color as well. Yeah. Um, it's a very, I don't want to say black and white, but extremes. Like, tight shots, wide shots, uh, black and white shadows on the snow. Um... I felt like those are really good choices for the movie uh, because then you get the splashes of blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, almost every scene in the movie contains the color red or orange, which is interesting. Like, when she puts on clothing, it's red. Um, yeah. Or there's blood in the scene or something like that. Um, and then when it's against the grayish backdrop of snow and shadows like that. It makes um, things pop. Yeah, it really makes it pop. Um, the cinematographer for the film also did the cinematography for Interstellar, which is a much more recent film. Yeah, like when his name <laughs> came up on the screen, you I like, got really excited. <laughs> such a nerd. His name is Hoite Van Hoitema. Yeah. Uh, you're the fan. Yeah. <laughs> I just really love the shots in this movie. Um, I couldn't even count how many times I said, ooh, I really love the shot. And they did a really good job of letting it hang for a while. Um, so you could really absorb how much work they put into a shot like that. That was the thing, too, because I was talking about... I never actually saw the American version. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something to be said about American cinematography versus European cinematography. Yeah. I feel like European cinematography... 
they really let your eyes like rest yeah, on the scene definitely and absorb a more it. Lingering on shots. So yeah, in America film, I feel like everything is loud. Mm-hmm. The images are loud, the sound is loud. And there's not a lot of um a lot of the time there's not like a rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, this is an action movie, it has to be this thing. Or yeah. this is a horror movie, so it has to be this. Um but this really breaks that up, I feel like. Where there'll be scenes of, like, intense movement and intense action, and then it balances that with these, like, really nice, um, kind of, like, scenery shots, yeah. you know? And there's, like, depth, um... Those are some of my favorite shots, for sure. Like, um, some big action thing happens, like, somebody's murdered or whatever in this movie, and then the next shot will be, it'll be the next day, and it's just, like, a shot of a tree branch, and then there's, like, a huge depth of field in the background, mm-hmm. and it's just the scenery. And then yeah. it's, like, really quiet. There's maybe, like, a bird chirping in the background or something. Yeah. But it, it's that contrast again. It really... It keeps you hooked, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Because it also... It, we talk about this in design a lot. You can't make your entire design busy. Mm-hmm. Because you have to give the eye somewhere to rest. Right. Otherwise, it's just something, like, subconsciously, it starts to, like, mentally exhaust Yeah, you. you get overwhelmed by all the things that are happening. Yeah. You need that time to rest and absorb it all. Mm-hmm. What was probably your favorite shot? Um, I want to say, like, those tree branch shots, there were, like, two or three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the first murder, when... Her assistant oh, dude. uh... Hakan? Hakan? Hakan, yeah. Um, Ellie's Hakeem? assistant guy, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. We weren't really sure what their relationship was. Oh, um, it's, it's fucked up in the book. I yeah. was reading about was it. Was it? Um, like, apparently, yeah, their deal is, like... If he helps her, then she'll pay him money. Uh-huh. But he says that he would do it for free if she lets him touch her. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah, so that's another, like, dark theme is, mm-hmm. like, pedophilia kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so the first shot of him uh, drawing blood from somebody when he mm-hmm. hangs him upside down, it's, like, a wide shot, um, just the way it was com- composed. There was, like, the trees, and then him, and then there's darkness in the background, mm-hmm. and then there's that one light that helps, you know, fill in the lighting of the scene. Yeah. That was one of my favorite shots, too. Well, even when he first interacts with the victim, mm-hmm. it's like the, they're in the middle of the exactly, shot. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's trees, then the action, and then more trees. Right. And they're in the middle of it, and it kind of obscures stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of related to my favorite shot, which is the first time we see Oscar in school. Mm-hmm. And Oscar is talking, and then the police officer is talking. Right. But the focus isn't on either of them. It's sort of, like, in-between-ish. Yeah, it's on his bullies. Yeah. And so it's, like, one of those... I felt like it was really smart because it's, like, hinting that he's not a part of things, Mm -hmm. you know? Because it's, like, the bullies think he's weird and stuff, and so then they beat him up, and then that makes him more weird, so they beat him up more. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing their reactions to him. Because they're talking about stuff... um, Like people committing crimes or police catching people. Yeah, because, like, the police, I guess, was talking about a murder a few towns over. Right. And came to, like, was like, oh, you know, this is my job. I have to figure out how he got murdered and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, he says something about, um... It was, like, arson, you know? And they, they thought that he had been murdered before. And he was like, oh, how do we think that he was murdered before? And then Oscar knew. Yeah. Because there's no smoke in his lungs. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, I got kind of off track, but it's just, like, the focus that's on the bullies, I think, was a really smart yeah. choice. Because I feel like there's a tendency to do, like, it would be shot, reverse shot. Mm-hmm. 
where it would be Oscar telling this, and then right? the police officer reacting, and then back to him, yeah. and then it might intercut it with like shots of the bullies being like smirking or like, "Wow, this kid's weird." Yeah, but they left it on the wide shot of yeah. the whole classroom, mm-hmm. and then just did selective focus on, you know, right those people in the middle. So yeah, the movie made good use of uh, what's called deep space composition. Um, it's basically a 3D way of looking at the movie because mm-hmm. you know it's a 2D presentation, obviously. Yeah. But you have different depths, so you have people in the foreground, people in the middle, and people in the background. Then you have people to the left and center of the right of the screen. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in all of the wide shots, they did a really good job of having something in each zone, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then if there's rule ever a subject, thirds. yeah, rule of thirds was everywhere in this movie. Yeah. Um, and if there's a subject, it's really easy to follow them through that. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that it's composed so well, um, one of the shots that I remember was someone was walking downstairs. Oh, it was the guy that got murdered under the tunnel. Yeah, uh, he walked down there to find out what was wrong with her, um, and the way the camera followed him, he was like rule of thirds the whole way down. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was a really good use of uh, rule of thirds in that composition because he was like in the background first, and then he walked sort of downward diagonally, and then he like followed that line. Yeah, there is a lot of depth to this movie. Not, yeah. I mean, plot-wise, yeah. Yeah. But also, just visually, because every time there was a tunnel, we noticed it. Yeah. Because he likes, I guess he liked depth to his shots, because mm-hmm. it's like, you have, it gives you a chance to like, because of the tunnels and stuff, it's like, there's always like a leading line, and you get right. a little sense of perspective. Yeah, leading line, that's something I was looking for to say. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it follows the line across the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even like, um... So, like, there's a lot of tunnels, mm-hmm. but then one thing that I noticed was, like, there was that building oh, where, yeah. like, the camera was, like, staring straight at the corner, and so mm-hmm. it gave this, like, deep perspective yeah. feeling. Like, it's, like, totally the thing that you draw in middle school art with the perspective lines and leading lines yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's, like, a lot of leading lines. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, though, because you said he did the cinematography for Interstellar. Yeah. Could you see a comparison between the shots? Oh, um... I mean, I feel like... We said there's a lot of rule of thirds in this movie, but I feel like that's a rule. A rule. Um, yeah. For a lot of movies, and it's... Even in just, like, regular nature, like, out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everywhere, so that's definitely a common theme. But that's, like, with any cinematographer. Uh, it's just pleasing to the eye. Um, as well as stuff like deep space composition. Yeah. Um, deep space, interstellar. This movie was just so pretty. It really was. I really like the contrast. We talked about it already, but um, the shadows and the blacks and the whites. Yeah. It was very... I don't want to say muted. Maybe I do want to say muted. Yeah, uh, like, the colors... A lot of the colors were muted. Yeah. And then... Because, like, that's one way you can make blood the brightest thing mm-hmm. on the screen is you make everything else so subdued. Yeah. And so it's not like Oscar's running around in a fluorescent green right. jumpsuit. Right, You know? Um, he wears a lot of... Um, like, everybody kind of wears a lot of, like darker or like beige Mm -hmm. dark blues or beige where it's really easy to see that contrast Mm -hmm. (laughs) no you are (laughs) um was there music in this movie huh was there music in this movie yeah the music was really subtle yeah it was very subtle but we can talk about like the sound direction because yeah that's something that we notice a lot of one of the ways that, because um, this, I would describe this movie as feeling very intimate. Oh yeah. And one of the ways they did that is with the sound design 
they had sounds for everything. Like, every movement, every body sound. Yeah. Like, even blinking. Yeah. Um, they made that sound by, like, how did they do it, you said? They said... They rubbed grapes together. Like, like the skin what? of <laughs> grapes. Like, who thinks, thinks of that? Like, yeah, like, fully artists are crazy. I would love um, that job, though. And they did stuff like biting into sausages and slurping yogurt for, like, the blood drinking sounds and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and like I said, during the whole movie, I was like, you can hear every sound his mouth makes when he's breathing. Yeah. And, like, every time he opens his mouth to speak, you hear, like, the saliva stick to his tongue. I'm like, wow. But it makes you feel a lot closer. It does. Like, it really draws you close. in. Yeah. Because the only time that you really hear those sounds from somebody is if you're, like, Right up in their face. Yeah, like literally, like your face pressed to theirs. Yeah, and then they matched you don't that. Hear them blinking. Right, they matched it with the super close-up shots of their faces. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think I feel like it tied it really well into like the way they composed their shots because it's like when it is like a closer intimate moment, you do hear like these like really subtle sounds, mm-hmm. and then when they're further away, it's like you kind of just hear the expanse of nothing. Yeah. You know. So. We're coming to see that this movie is a lot about contrast. Yeah. <laughs> like, in all aspects. Um, I thought it, it kind of goes back to the plot, but I thought it was cool how, since we're talking about contrast, there's, like, this regular kid who's living a regular life, kind of. Mm. You know, he gets bullied in school, blah, blah, blah. He has weird interests and all that stuff. And then there's, like, a vampire um, who's living her life where she's trying to just, like, get survive and survive. Yeah. And it's sort of like, they're both trying to survive... And they kind of learn from each other. He definitely learns more from her, I'd say. Um, he learns about confidence and all that stuff. I think one of the things that she learns from him, though, is it reminds her how to be human. Right. Because she's like, what is that? Is that she's, they're, sorry. They're talking about a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. You know, she's like, what is that? And he's like... What? you never heard of a Rubik's Cube? Yeah, because she is co- sort of, I feel like, probably hidden most mm-hmm. of the time. I mean, yeah. you don't want to be like walking around as a vampire, but... Um, and so I think it is kind of like that she teaches him to be a badass and he teaches her how to... Be human. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, if you're a vampire for so long, you probably forget. Yeah, you, you have. there's that disconnect from humanity Yeah. after a while. All the music was really subtle, too. It was very in the background. Except for when it was, like, the pop music or the record that he plays when yeah. she's, like, in the shower or whatever. Um, it was a good song. It was. I don't know what it's called, but... Swedish pop. poppin'. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, like, I think we talked about last week and the week before about Alien and Psycho having very present music. Yeah. And I think it was interesting that this one, since it's almost, it's less horror and really more of a character study. Yeah. Um, and so the music was, like, a lot more subtle, and it kind of just added to the scene rather than... Being a focus. Yeah, and, like, being front and center. Right. You always talk about music. I do. Yes. I love the music in this movie. It really added to the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, like, cut that from the first episode and play it in all of them. <laughs> now Brain's gonna talk about the music. I really I love, love the music. music. I say this every week, but I feel like it really... That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> um... I just think that I just think it's crazy that it wasn't a it wasn't like a financial success. Yeah. So the movie cost four million dollars to make, and it only made back like two point one. 
which is crazy to me because I don't that doesn't include DVD sales and stuff mm-hmm. because it just seems to be a movie that a lot of people like mm-hmm. you know especially people who are into that kind of um, genre yeah and so it was just really weird to me that it wasn't like a huge success right especially since the the book apparently was a big success in Sweden mm-hmm. I really want to see the American version because I wonder because um, I know that America cinema has a different attitude towards sex and violence than European cinema mm-hmm. does. Because one of the things in this movie is there are scenes that feel really sexual. Like, well, the fact that they get in bed naked together. Yeah. But they don't do anything because right. they're 12. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I wonder if they maintain that scene in the American version. Because I feel like that would be like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't show two 12-year-olds in bed naked together. Right. Talking about going steady. Yeah. <laughs> but be as violent as you want. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't want to get up on a soapbox about it, but I feel like there is this really double standard I want to say yeah of like what you can and can't show right like it's okay to show show a guy's face being blown off but you can't show a naked woman or something yeah I guess it's just sort of the the culture but it's strange how that's how it's divided because they show her lady parts yeah and like that was like really surprising to me. Yeah. Which is like it says so much because it's like the violence, you know, like, oh whatever. But yeah. then it's like, oh, you show Ellie's genitalia and all of a sudden it's like oh, Yeah, your what? eyes like widen and you're like, What? And you then can't when do she's that. chomping somebody's neck out, you're just like, Yeah, that's totally normal. She's a vampire, yeah. duh. But uh, have you ever seen the uh documentary This film is not yet rated? No. It's all about the MPAA and like their uh-huh. About how, um, like, stingy they are with ratings sometimes. Right. And, and like, you could get a movie that has the same subject matter, but if the couple, like, the main couple is straight, mm-hmm. then it would be, like, PG-13. But then you make that same couple gay, and all yeah. of a sudden it's, like, rated R. Or right. even NC-17. Right. And then th- there's that huge divide between a movie being rated PG-13 and rated R. Like, as soon as you get that R rating, they go, like, everywhere with it. Yeah. Like, they're cussing in every sentence, there's naked people, there's just, like, crazy amounts of blood and stuff. Um, I just feel like once you pass that, like, okay, we're gonna make a rated R movie, then you do just, like, everything possible. Yeah. I think it removes the possibility of American cinema being more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Because if you know that if you make this movie, well, there's a chance that it's gonna be NC-17 if we make it this way, the way that the filmmakers really want. Yeah. You know, then it's like... If a movie is NC-17, it won't be showed in most cinemas. So you're going to limit your audience way more. Yeah. So then the sh- people making the movie have to, like, tailor it to fit the societal standard of the country, basically. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that limits creativity uh, somewhat. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because, I mean, what movie was it? Oh, my God. I wish I knew the movie because they gave it to the MPAA. And then they were like, oh, you need to edit this scene or whatever. And they are like, oh, okay. And so then they waited a couple weeks and sent it back and didn't change anything. And the MPA was like, well, now we have a problem with the other scene. And they hadn't changed anything. Yeah. And so I think there really is need to be, like, overhaul of it. I don't know. Because this movie didn't... wasn't that gory. It wasn't. There was some blood. and But you never really saw, like... Like, the most graphic thing probably was when you see his face... Which is scarred and stuff. Because of the acid, yeah. Yeah, when he... So, her assistant, in order to not be caught, um, pours acid on his face. To, like, so disfigure that, himself. So they won't identify him yeah. and then find her. 
Um, but then, so then there's that, and then also at the end, um, like, the head being dropped into the pool. And, yeah, the arm, like, falling down in the pool. Because most of the time when Ellie, like, kills somebody, it's, like, from far away. Yeah, it's, like, a wider shot. Which I think is interesting because in an American film, that would be, like, front and center. That would be the time to get that You would, up. like, probably literally see every single tendon being ripped yeah, out of his neck. right. And there'd be, like, full light on that. Mm-hmm. But then those violent scenes always take place in, like, the dark. Yeah, like, under a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Or, like, at the top of a staircase at night. Yeah. But, so, the actress, like, they didn't like her voice, I guess? Cause it was, I like, guess. Maybe she was young too young. Feminine. When you're getting, wanted... like, an old vampire who may be trapped in a 12-year-old's body. Yeah, like, they wanted it more dro- androgynous because the character is supposed to be a boy. Yeah, you said that it, apparently it was a boy who was castrated. Yeah, like, in the book, that's, like, explicit, like, oh... Um, that's another thing that's really subtle about this movie, mm-hmm. is, like, so they say, when they're, like, laying in bed together, he's like, oh, will you be my girlfriend? And she's like, well, I'm not a girl. And, and so like, you take that to mean, oh, she's saying that she's, like, a monster. Yeah. But really what she's saying is, like, no, I'm not a girl. I used to be a boy. Yeah, <laughs> and she was... still a boy, technically, I guess. Yeah, she was castrated, um, while she was being turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, he. He. Yeah. Um... And so, for that, they wanted a more, like, a deeper voice. Mm-hmm. And then it also kind of goes back to when we were talking about them teaching each other things, because the fact that he accepted her, despite like, that... instantly. Yeah, instantly. Like, will you be my girlfriend? Well, I'm not a girl. Okay, but will you still be my girlfriend? Yeah. Like, I guess it's that sort of childlike innocence at the same time. Yeah. Um, but they're still mature-ish. Where, like, he's age. so... I don't want to say that he's desperate for... Companionship. Yeah, but you can definitely tell he's like, that's fine. Yeah. He's like, just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. And then also, that's what the scar genitalia is supposed to hint at, too. It's like, oh, she's literally not at Yeah, all. right. And it makes it more explicit. But mm-hmm. I just thought that was really interesting, because it's like, I don't know, like, Oscar's a little little bisexual cherub. Yeah. <laughs> a murderer. Apparently so is his father. Maybe. From what we can gather. Yeah. Or maybe this that's one, the reason why he left. Like, I hadn't seen this movie in a few years, but there's still... It's one of those movies where, if you go back and watch it, there are, like, other things that you pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like this movie. So did I. It was a pleasant surprise for me. End up, like, we're watching horror movies this month. Mm-hmm. Um, this was definitely... I'd say less horror, but more suspense. Because I really felt like something huge was gonna happen. Yeah. The whole movie... Um, it did a great job of, like, hooking and leading you on the whole time, and not in a bad way, like, leading you on, mm-hmm. but, um, there were those little action bits that helped. Well, and then the final kind of suspenseful scene where... Oscar's the, underwater? Yeah, like, the bully's brother comes and holds his head underwater, and right. then you don't... That's another thing that you don't see, is you don't see Ellie tearing these people apart. Yeah, she's literally killing three teenage boys yeah. in this pool, and then you just see, like, a head drop into the water. yeah. So that's cool. It's another, um... They example. talk about it in every frame of painting. Mm-hmm. Like this movie? Yeah, they talk about that scene specifically. Mm-hmm. It's another example of the whole showing and not telling and all that. Yeah, I can't remember which video specifically. I'll send it to you later. Okay. And I might link it on the Twitter. But... Yeah, it was, it was really good. Yeah, especially for a movie that didn't do too well financially. I feel like it should have done better, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. 
I feel like every movie kind of has... It's hard to make a movie for an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are these kind of, like, niche films where a whole subset of people... That's where you get cult classics, of course. Yeah. You know, like Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, it didn't do shit when yeah. it first got released. But just over time, it gained a following. Yeah. But there are like, these smaller films like this where it's not really... Like, you're not probably making it because you know it'll make a profit. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep getting Michael Bay movies because they know it'll make a profit. Yeah. But with these, it's kind of like art house films. Mm-hmm. You know? But... And then every once in a while, you kind of get one that appeals to a wider audience and yeah. they become more successful. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Brokeback Mountain. Was that way, I feel like? Sure, yeah. Where it is like... I mean, they're big name actors, but... Right. It wasn't like... Like, oh, you grab your friends and go down to the movies uh-huh. and see it, yeah. you know? I think that's one thing that's important in storytelling, is you can't constantly write something knowing that it's going to be in front of an audience at some point. Yeah. Um, like, that's one of the ways that I felt about making this podcast, because I kept getting scared, like, uh-huh. oh, like, if people listen to this, they're going to think we're, like, dumb or whatever, but you can't think that with yeah. stories and so i wish that hollywood t- would take more chances on films like this yeah and i wish they'd stop asking them to asking people to tailor their movies which goes back to the mpaa thing yeah um because when you limit creativity like that you're gonna run out of ideas a lot faster and i think it's becoming easier now with technology the way technology is way more accessible mm-hmm. um you could probably make a pretty good looking movie just like with an iphone oh yeah there's all those tutorials and stuff yeah so I think as film becomes more accessible, there will be more of these tiny little films. Right. You know, like Paranormal Activity was made for $10,000. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. Well, I know Blair Witch was like the original found footage film and that didn't take a lot. Yeah. But there are other movies that are just, they don't take a lot of money to make, mm-hmm. but they're not that successful. Right. But I feel like it's still important for people to go out and make those movies. Yeah. I mean, like if you feel like you have a story to tell them, just go mm-hmm. do it. Especially when you're not somebody that's being hired by a studio where you're going to be bogged down with, like, notes on your scripts and stuff mm-hmm. that's really limiting you, besides money. Like, you may not have as much money as you'd like to produce a film, yeah. but if you still want to tell your story and get yourself out there, then you should still do it. The moral of this is screw everyone. Right. Just do it. Also, contrast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> contrast vampires and storytelling. Yeah. It'll be the new title of our podcast. Yes. <laughs> Only vampires sometimes. We'll just turn this into an exclusively vampire movie podcast. Yeah. Next week we start on the Twilight series. And then we're gonna watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire, vampire Hunter. Hunter. Yes. That's another one of those movies that I like, but no one. Mm-hmm. I just like, I guess, well, weird movies. I guess, but because you're a weird person. Oh, thanks. in a good way. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I think we're about ready to wrap it up. All right. So, where can everyone find us on social media? So, they can find us on Facebook at Amateur Film School. We're on Twitter at AM Film School. And then, also, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at AmateurFilmSchool at gmail.com. Alrighty. And what's on the docket for next week? Next week, we are watching... Brandon's so excited. <laughs> His face is filling with glee. Y'all don't even know. We're going to watch My Bloody Valentine. 3D. So wrap up. Oh, we're not going to watch it in 3D, though. Okay, well. Unless you're going to go buy me a 3D TV. <laughs> Just imagine it's 3D, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, literally throw your hand in my face? Yeah. I'll grab a pickaxe and oh. bring it to the... <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please be sure to rate and subscribe. It really helps us out. And we love you. That's a wrap.